0: to have our hearts warmed again and drawn to you. Lord, so that we can just be in right relationship with you. We can just uh, be yours, committed to yours, passionate for you. So Lord, we thank you for this time, this place, these people who have led us into your presence. Now the opportunity to just be quiet with you and to listen for that still small voice that changes lives. So in this time and in this place, we invite you to speak, our God, and, uh, and to bless us, and this, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Just before I jump in, a couple of things. Welcome back, Nicaragua team, wherever you are and whoever you are, and uh, if you happen to be here, I don't know, I, I assume you're here. Yeah, there's well, there's David, at least, uh, at least the faithful leaders here. Huh? That's great. Good to have you back. And also, I want to say, uh, to those of you who made soup for our last, last week's super, la- super lunch, isn't that fantastic? Who made soup? Let me see the hands. One back there. Two, three, four. Fantastic. Let's thank them. That was a great meal. You know, it's really easy, you know, to sit down and eat the soup and leave and not think about all the hard work that went into it, right? But we have wonderful people who, who do that for us, and uh, we are very thankful. Well, I was uh, working on this uh, sermon this week between my experience of flu and otherwise, as many of you, I suppose, have experienced, and um, a question came to my mind that I really hadn't thought before. This is a question on on success. This is a, a series on the great king of Judah named Asa. And uh, we began this a couple of weeks ago, and, and talked about that chapter 14 in Second Chronicles, where, where, you know, for 10 years there was peace in the land. Why? Because God blessed them with it. He was a king who who did was right and good in the eyes of the Lord his God, and he tore down the idols in the land, and God came along and just blessed him and his people richly. And then that Cushite army came, double the number of troops that Asa had, but he went to God and he cried out to God for help and in humility, and God gave him the victory, and great blessing you know, what is this thing, if you would, that God does in the lives of the people who are faithful to him? I've called it success. And the question that came to my mind uh, this week was, how many people on Sunday morning will actually think that they are successful opposed to those who might think that they're not successful? I don't know. And of course, the, the answer to the question depends on the definition of success. And there are some that I've discovered that, I think really don't fit at all what we're talking about. And if you would, the kingdom of God. And there's some that do. Let me read you this definition from a dictionary that I don't think works at all in terms of what the Bible's bringing to us. Particularly, it says the attainment of wealth, position, honor, or the like. You know, oh, he or she very successful business man or woman. You know, or oh, look at the success they've had in this area. I'm not talking about that. I don't think the Bible's talking about that particularly. Here's another definition that I think works a whole lot better. The favorable or prosperous termination of attempts or endeavors. The accomplishment of one's goals. How are you doing that way? I think that definition works really pretty well with the kind of things that we're being confronted with with scripture. You know, we're, we're all watching the Olympics, I assume. I love watching the Olympics and I, I suppose uh, many of you do too. And there are Olympians from Canada who go and they have won the gold medal. We'd say, yeah, that's success. But what about the Olympians who go, and they know they're not in the upper tier of their sport, but they are incredible athletes, and they have set as their goal what they wish to achieve, uh, a personal best. And they go, and they compete, and they give their all in the competition, and they accomplish their personal best. Is that not success? Of course it is for them. You know, I think about tomorrow, family day. I mentioned this before but I'll bring it up again just cuz it's so appropriate. How many parents here want to be successful as parents? You know, want to be that dad who who says I'm going to love these children of mine and I'm going to give them my time and my attention and I'm going to nurture them and I'm going to care for them and I'm going to build into their lives. And the mom who does the very same thing and just says, "Lord, these ones, Lord, are the are the are the ones you've given me to to care for and to build into over these years, 18 or 20 years, so that after those 18 or 20 years and the kids kind of You know, fly away You can stand back and say Man, I've been blessed That looks like success to me You know, the accomplishment of those things Which we have before us Which we choose So I want to really grapple with this idea more today And I want to look at another aspect Of of the dynamic that's brought to us In 2 Corinthians chapter 14, 15, and 16 What we learned a week ago Or two weeks ago basically was this That God blesses faithfulness He just does God blessed King Asa because God, because King Asa was faithful to God, and God just showered him with wonderful blessings, and he had a successful reign. Well, we're gonna jump into uh, the, the chapter 15, the second of these three chapters. And uh, I wanna pick up the story there. King Asa has won the battle against the Kushites. You know, he has overcome the million man army with his 500,000 uh, soldiers. It's a, it's a remarkable thing that has happened. Of course, God has done it. God has intervened. God has made that happen. And he's marching back toward his home. Um, you know, things are good. He's got tons of what the Bible calls plunder. You know, you take all the good stuff of the enemy, which you have defeated. <laughs> and he's got, like, hordes of, of this plunder. And he, he's, he's headed back toward his homeland and, and probably to adulation and to praise. And we're going to read verse 1 and 2 of chapter 15 of 2 Corinthians. And I want you to to think about what you think about this dynamic. God sends the prophet Azariah to speak to him. And what is the message that Azariah is going to give to the king, considering what's just happened? Let's read that. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. You fighting men, fighting force that you are. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. He's like, what? <laughs> like, I, I think probably King Asa heard that and he said, like, what about well done, good and faithful servant? <laughs> what about way to go, King Asa? And what, the, what, what God says to him through his servant is, If you seek God, you will will be found by him, but if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. What kind of response is that by God after what has just taken place in Asa's life? Well, you know, the message is basically this in in, in those words, because you have succeeded now does not mean you will always succeed. Because you have had success in this experience doesn't mean that you will always succeed. If you seek the Lord, you will find him. It's a promise. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, a lot of people, you know, hearing this, you might say, well, wait a minute, Chris, that that doesn't at all sound like the God that I have come to know and love, that God of grace and that God of mercy. Haven't I been blessed by God with what the Bible calls salvation? Hasn't Christ come and died for me? Hasn't been raised again to new life to be my Lord? Hasn't the spirit of God touched my heart and my mind at a very deep level? Opened my eyes to see the truth? Given me faith so that I have received Christ into my life? Haven't I become the child of God and it has nothing to do with me? Not at all of my merit? As opposed to that? And the answer to the question is, that's exactly right. None of us become part of the family of God. None of us find forgiveness. None of us enter into eternal life because of anything that we have done. It's all but what Christ has done. All we do is believe in what Christ has done. But here's the thing. The message of these chapters essentially is, (laughs) when it comes to experiencing the blessing of God as his children, yeah, what we do makes a difference the message of these chapters is that God blesses faithfulness he really does and the more you are faithful to him I want to tell you the more he's going to bless your life and again it's not always in ways that we would choose but it's in ways that God chooses and goodness flows and 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 the idea on the one hand is if God blesses faithfulness he doesn't bless unfaithfulness oh there's some sin in that guy's life let me bless him for it that doesn't make sense does it Not at all. See, the kingdom perspective on success in this context is number one, that it comes from God. It comes from God. And it is He who enables us to accomplish or achieve. Think of the early definition that I spoke. It is He who enables us to accomplish the things that He calls us to. And the question remains do you consider yourself people who are successful in this light? Are you living the blessed life? See, Azariah, he goes on and he talks about, if you would, the unblessed history of the people of Judah, verses 3 and 4. Let's read that together. The unblessed history of the people of Judah. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord and the God of Israel, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. There's this idea, if you seek the Lord, you, you will find him. It's this idea that you know God, God is there, and I want you to notice that little triad that 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 idea of turning and that idea of seeking and that idea of finding. It's there. It's central to the, to these chapters, turning, seeking, and if you do these things, you will find God. That's exactly what King Asa did in chapter 14, right? Cushites on the march, million people, overwhelming enemy, going to get slaughtered. What does he do? He turns to God, and he says, God. Only you can defeat this enemy. We're not capable, and he admits his own weakness in great humility, and he invites God in, and God comes, and God moves, and power, and the blessing flows. And then in verse 5 to 7, it says this, in those days it was not safe to travel about again, the historic experience of these people. In those days it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, King Asa, for your work will be rewarded. More promise, more blessings coming your way if indeed you will maintain your faithfulness to God. See, I want to suggest that the word of God is saying to us this morning that there are kind of two ways we can live our lives as the children of God. I'm going to assume that's what you are you know in your heart of hearts whether you're Christ whether you have come to that place of faith and confession of sin and yielding your life to the Lord Jesus inviting him in to be your Lord and Savior but there are two kinds of lives that we can live one is the blessed life and one is the, if you would, unblessed life even as children of God Nazariah says to King Asa, and as he says it to King Asa, so he says it to to us, don't stop turning as you have turned. Don't stop seeking God as you have sought him previously. Seek his will. Seek his strength to empower you. Seek to honor him with your life. Seek to obey him in all that you do. Seek his help in your life. Because there is the, the blessing of success big question as i study the text is why on earth is this what god had Ezarias speak to king asa you know in the middle of this great success it wasn't well done good and faithful servant it wasn't man you handle that well <laughs> it's almost like a warning that comes to the king think about the scenario he is the conquering king returning home he has popularity that he is, going to, that he is experiencing that he's going to experience when he gets home of incredible proportions. He is the hero. He is the warrior king who has overcome a vast enemy. He has more wealth than he's ever had before with his plunder. He has more power than he's ever had. He's expanded his territory, his kingdom. He's going to have the praise of people. There will be people telling him, man, you are a fantastic king. And then this is said to him, I want to tell you, Asa is being told, do not forget where your success came from. (laughs) It's not from you, and it never was. Your success has come from God. Now I want to bring this principle to you this morning. It's essentially this. It is our times, (laughs) the times of greatest danger in our lives spiritually are those times when we experience our greatest successes. Ever thought about that? The times of, our, of greatest danger in lives in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of our ongoing blessing, in terms of getting it right in our relationship with the Lord are those times when we're experiencing our greatest success in life. You see, it's easy to turn to God when you're facing the million-man army, right? It's easy to turn to God when, and to cry out to God in distress, as it says in this text that the people of, of Israel had done previously, when, when you're in great need. It's easy to turn to God and, and to rely on God and to trust God and to ask God for help when, when you're in that difficult and troubled scenario. It's easy to admit your weakness in those moments, all of which produced Asa's incredible success. But what about when things are going really well? You know? What about when you're the hero? (laughs) What about when people are telling you that you're a fantastic king and you've accomplished mighty things and done the unbelievable? See, in that instance, it's really easy to be proud and take credit to yourself for what God has done. It's easy in that instance to forget about the God who gave you the success in the first place. And that is why Azariah comes and he confronts his king and he speaks to him as he does. And he's basically saying to him, Asa, if you want your success to continue, if you want the success of God to continue to flow in your life, remember him and do not forsake him and do not take pride in yourself and in your own accomplishments. Remember who gave you success in the first place and honor him with your life. i want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 to 14. I would read more of this text if we had like hours and hours to spend together. But the reality is in this text, the people of Israel are going into the land and they're being told when you get in there and you're experiencing all kinds of good things, when you're experiencing the blessing of God, when you've experienced success in overcoming the enemy and have taken possession of this incredible land, and then these words are spoken. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. I guess I'm going to look down on my phone. Oh, here we go. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given to you. You know, when you get there? But th- that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build, find houses and se- find houses and settle down. And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, you're on top of your game. Things are going incredibly well. Then your heart will become, say it with me, proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see the danger for Asa, the danger for the people of Israel in that day, the danger for us is that we will become proud and give no place to God in our lives any more. We will forget about him. There's verses seventeen and eighteen of Deuteronomy eight say this. going to read it i'm i realize i'm on a bit of a different translation than what's projected there but the same context oh there we go you may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me but remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today you see the point my friends this, this, this warning Azariah brings to the king is an incredible, it's a blessing. It's a means of him saying, you know, you're succeeding. God has done an incredible thing. But be careful that you don't forget the fact that God gave you the blessing. Don't get proud. Stay humble in his presence. And continue to seek him with all of your heart. What does King Asa do? You know what I want to suggest to you he does, and we're going to march through the rest of this text? Essentially, he prepares for and he enters into the worship of God. And this is what I want you to really take hold of today. And if nothing else, hold on to you as you 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 walk out of this place this morning. Verse 8 says this. Here's what he does. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. It wasn't easy for him to do what is about to be described he removed the detestable idols from the whole land of judah and benjamin and from the towns he had come captured in the hills of ephraim he repaired the altar of the lord that was in front of the portico of the lord's temple you know what he did <laughs> he had done 10 years ago if you were here two weeks ago one of the things that he did was to be faithful to god was he eliminated the idolatry from the land of judah um and in this instance, he does exactly the same thing. You might say, well, why does he need to do it now if he's already done it? Well, the reality is it's 10 years later and the people of Judah are still surrounded by those foreign nations where idolatry is the norm and those foreign nations have continued to influence God's people and idolatry has seeped back in to the land. And Judah takes, takes great measure to make things right again in order to honor his God. And he, he eliminates these these idols Even to the point Of dethroning, de- If you would His grandmother And her idols Because apparently She wouldn't do it On her own that's, that's saying something When you go after granny But he did um, My friends I want to tell you um, he, what, he, what he is doing In essence Is not only Just living in obedience To what God has said He is also Making a statement About who's going to get credit For this incredible victory He is not going to allow the people of Judah to turn to their wooden and stone inanimate objects and thank them for the victory that has been won by the living and all-powerful God. He comes to that place with conviction and he comes to that place with courage and he eliminates the idols so that the Lord will get glory and that the Lord will be given credit and recognition for what God has done. Number two, he assembles the people together. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. Then he, King Asa, assembled Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim and and Simeon who had settled among them for large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. Um, you know, they gathered together to worship God. He's, he's previous verse, he's, Fixed the altar. He's refurbished it. He's prepared it to worship. And then he calls the people of God together that they might worship God with all of their hearts as we will see. You know, there are a lot of people today who seem to think that this idea of gathering together to worship isn't that important anymore. I've talked to you before about what's called the DUNS, the D-O-N-E-S's, the people who are followers of Jesus, who do have a relationship with Christ, who are part of God's family, but just don't think that doing it with other people is that big deal anymore, and they certainly don't think that coming to worship on any kind of regular basis is important. It's just not to them. But I want to ask you, is that what God is calling us to through this text? Is that what the example is over and over and over again? I want to say to you, no, God says make this a priority. Don't abandon gathering together as scripture says. Come into my presence as my people and worship me. So there are their duns and you know, there's something off with that but there are also some folks you know, who if you would um, come to this place of, of worship but only kind of when it's convenient. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody here today. It's, possible i suppose it's more occasional as opposed to some sort of commitment there's not a commitment to get into the presence of god to gathering into gathering together with god's people on a weekly basis of coming before the lord and recognizing that it is he who has blessed us and it is he who is god in our lives and it is he whom we worship i want to tell you what weekly worship does what continual can I, can I use the word habitual experience of, of God and worship is all about? It is coming to that one who is with us and recognizing that it is he who has blessed us and it is he who has given us success. See, without that reality, we too quickly forget where our blessing has come from. Too quickly we'll say, you know what? I have accomplished what I have accomplished by the power, using Deuteronomy's terms, the power of my arm and we can come to that place of pride and when we we won't be challenged to that place of humility that Asa was called to as we bow in the presence of God. You know, my friends, what this text is saying to us above all else is the incredible importance of worship, especially when times are good. Especially when times are good. To make it a priority of your life, to make God a priority of life by making the worship of God a priority of our lives. Verse 11, carries on. That time they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. See what the plunder included was a lot more than that, obviously. It's from the plunder they had brought back. But they got into the presence of God. They gathered together, and they sacrificed, as was the practice of the people of Judah in those days, from what God had given to them. And that is how they worshipped him. That is how they recognized that God had given the victory. These very things that we hand back to you are the things that you have given to us. A challenge comes into our lives that we have to sacrifice to God that which he has given to us. We have to sacrifice to God from those things that the Lord has provided to us. That's what worship is, at least in part. What well, what is God given? Well, the easy application from this text that he has given us, the financial resources we have, Bible says all over the place that anything that we have in a financial basis, or in any way, of course, any blessing that we have received from God, our finances are given to us by him. And the Bible calls us to sacrificially give some of that back to him, just as King Asa gave back some of the plunder. To tithe, to honor God with our wealth, to thank him, to bless him in this way. What about our time? Our time thing that god has given to us you know i could talk about taking time to serve god but i want to s- stay focused on getting into his presence on a sunday morning you know the easiest thing in the world is to stay at what i've heard called bedside baptist i don't know what the presbyterian equivalent is maybe pillowtop presbyterian but it's comfortable and it's easy and you sit with your newspaper and a cup of coffee and it's convenient You know what the Bible is calling us to here is sacrificial living. And sacrificing isn't convenient and it isn't easy. Sometimes it's an incredible challenge. My friends, I want to tell you we can give our time to God Sunday by Sunday. We can give our time to God during the week. We can worship Him. We can recognize what He has given to us by giving it back to Him. Most of all, what can we give to God of what He has given to us? We can give to Him our lives. I want to tell you the essence of what it means to know and follow Christ is by coming, is coming by faith into the presence of God and yielding our lives to Him giving it to Him saying Lord I exist for you do with me as you choose and that brings us to the fourth element of worship that's defined in this text I'm going to read to you verses 12 to 15 as these people recommit themselves to God with great passion listen to the passion and the heart that they do this with They entered into a covenant to seek the lord the god of their ancestors with all their heart and soul all who would not seek the lord the god of israel were were to be put to death whether small great or great man or woman they took an oath to the lord with loud acclamation with shouting and with trumpets and horns all judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it Wholeheartedly, Do you understand this? This was nothing forced. This was the passion that dwelt in the heart of God's people. They sought God. There it is again, eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. You know, my friends... <laughs> All I can say to you, the essence of coming into the presence of God, yeah, we come together, we gather together, yes, we give to him, but in the end of the day, what we do is we do this, we commit ourselves wholeheartedly and completely with joy to the reality of the one who is our Lord and who is our Savior. And you know what? I hope that is your experience here. I really do. That in this place you come and you praise God in song and you hear the word of God spoken and whatever it is that God says to you while you are in this place, your answer to him is an immediate, yes, Lord Jesus, I will. A laying down of our lives in obedience and in faith to the will of God. My friends, I want to suggest something to you that, uh, and, and, and start to wind down as I do so that in this, this last verse, 15 itself, captures in essence what this text is about King Asa is confronted and he is warned and he has said do not forget the Lord your God because it is he who has given you success and if you want to know ongoing success continue to do what you have previously done his response to that challenge is to worship God look at that verse they sought God eagerly in worship that's the context and he was found them. The reality is, my friends, as we seek God, especially in this place, gathered together as one before the Lord, as we seek him, we will find him. As we turn, as we seek, we will find. And what will it produce? So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Later on, it says that King Asa uh, ruled for another 20 years with incredible peace incredible blessing flowed into his life and into the life of his people why because he sought God he worshipped God he recognized God as the giver of blessing and God blessed him in return and one thing I want to suggest is the reality is that if we don't worship a lot of this stuff doesn't get experienced in our lives you know he read the, 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 the land of idols um you know, two weeks ago, I spent a lot of time talking about how he read Judah of idols in chapter 14. And I, I hope and I wonder and I pray that there were people in this place who identified an idol in their lives and they said, Lord, I want to get rid of that out of my life and I'm going to forsake it and I'm not going to let that take your place in my life. And they did that very thing. You know, you need to be here to be challenged by the word of God in order to identify the idols and in order to cast them out of your life. The gathering together of God's people, well, that's (laughs) self-evident. If people don't engage it, they're not going to know the blessing of being with God's people and hearing God's voice. The idea of giving to him, well, you know, some people might write a check, but you know what? There's not a lot of that self-surrender that worship produces. the idea of full commitment to the Lord Jesus, well, you know what, so often it's here that that challenge comes, and in the end, that's what we experience. Because of the Lord's work by His Spirit in our lives. At the end of the day, my friends, what the Bible is saying to us, what this text is saying to us, is we need worship. We need to experience God in this place, especially when things are going well. And without it, we're in danger of forgetting. We're in danger of growing proud, and we are in danger of forsaking the Lord. And then we're in danger of missing the blessing that he has for us. I want to challenge this church. I really do. I want to challenge you to worship God in an ongoing and in a faithful basis. I want you to be here to enter into his presence that he might impact your life in a way that he will not, cannot, can I say that? Otherwise, come to this place and remember what he has done for you and give him credit for what he has done and worship him as your God. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we're blessed in ways that we uh, don't really appreciate, we don't recognize, we don't know about. (laughs) Lord, ultimately, the greatest blessing in our lives is that, yes, you have come to us and you revealed yourself to us and you have given us faith, and you have forgiven us of our sin, and you've made us your children. And Lord, all the things that you provide for us in this life, they're incredible blessings. The successes that you give, whatever they might be, they flow from your hand. And God, it is for us simply to come into your presence, to recognize that reality, to thank you for those things. And Lord, to continue to seek you until we find you. God, I pray for all who are gathered here today. I pray even for myself in this, Lord, that we might be a people who who live in this commitment, who understand the incredible significance, the critical nature of worship, so that we step into it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, so that we can simply be reminded of the truth, so that we will stay humble in your presence, so that, Lord, we will continue to seek you until we find you. God, by your spirit, work in our hearts, work in our lives, and cause us to know the powerful influence of what it means to be in your presence, worshiping you, loving you, thanking you, giving you credit, Lord, for what you have done in us. Our God, these things we pray in Jesus' name.